You're listening to The VFX Process, where we talk to the industry's most talented artists, including film, TV, and game. From concept artists to previews, 3D animators and visual effects artists, we take a deep dive into a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind, workflow, and career of each artist. For any visuals discussed in this episode, we have provided a link to images and videos should you need a bit more context. The VFX process, getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios. If you enjoy listening to this show and you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out a lot. Thank you. In today's episode, Jamie speaks with Shad Bradbury, a Pixar artist who has recently made his debut in the world of directing with his heartwarming animated short, Run Toti Run. Shad dives deep into the making of this award-winning short and tells us how it was brought to life with the help of 300 volunteer artists from five different countries. Shad also gets into his wild journey as an artist in the animation industry and answers the question everybody wants to know, how to land a job at Pixar. So stick around, you're not gonna wanna miss this. Hey Shad, how's it going? I'm good man, how are you? I'm doing good, yeah, doing well. I love you guys' background, it's so colorful. So today, it's a kind of a special location for us because we're doing some virtual production on this site and this room that we're in is kind of like a showroom for like really cool bespoke furniture. So hence why all this awesome stuff is behind us. Nice. I'm on a very heavy chair. I can't adjust this chair, can I? I'm standing, I'm doing the... Hopefully Are you doing half, a stand? Hopefully halfway through I don't uh, get tired. If I do, you may see me just go... That's right. fine. That's fine. No problem. <laughs> have you have you got one of those fancy adjustable ones? I, I do, yeah. yeah. So. I remember the first time I saw somebody using one of those wind-up desks. It was actually an an animation supervisor, a lady called Leslie Hedrick. We were working on Pirates in Adventure Scientist. I think you was working on Arthur Christmas. Those those films were kind of working at the same time. So I was at Aardman as an artist, a previous artist. Oh, nice. Aardman, man, I'm kind of envious. You was working with them, right? Outsourced, basically. So it didn't really feel like working with Aardman. We just worked with basically one lady. And I don't know if that was the best uh, uh, person to work with at, at Artman. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great working there, actually. Um, and that was my first job, really, in the industry, which is mind-blowing to think that I jumped straight in on a stop-motion film, which was kind of a dream come true. But enough about me, Shad. This episode's all about you today. The spotlight is all on you. I have tons of stories that could go on and on, so feel free to just, like, stop <laughs> me at any point. Um, be like, hey, this is taking up half the podcast. So. <laughs> Just start with a brief introduction, Shad, about yourself and I guess your background, kind of where it all began for you. So yes, my name's uh, Shad Bradbury. I've been an animator for about 20 years now. Uh, I've worked at Pixar, Sony, uh, Rhythm and Cues, Tippet. I worked in games for about three years as well. I feel like most animators, they have a similar story where you know, when they were kids, they you know watched Saturday morning cartoons. You know, they grew up doing that and they loved Disney and all that. I, I did not. I never liked animation. I kind of disliked it, to be honest. It wasn't until a day in high school I came home and there was an episode of Dragon Ball Z. And that changed kind of my uh, the trajectory of my life from there. Then I wanted to be, you know work in the anime industry because Dragon Ball Z leads to anime and so, and then, you know, moving to Japan and wanting to work there. Uh, that did not work out. 
is, is probably for the best because I don't speak Japanese and Japanese animators are very talented. So, so th that's what got me into it is Dragon Ball Z. And I still love anime to this day. And so then I, I just got into animation in general from anime. And I then started just looking into Disney, the schools around that. And then I started to see CalArts. So I applied to CalArts. Any guesses on whether I got into CalArts? I'm going to say no. <laughs> yes. Sorry. That's awesome. I've got a feeling you asked that because the obvious one would be yes, but I've got a feeling it's a no. So I teach and I always ask my students that and I can tell because it's the first date. They don't, they want to say no, but they don't want to like offend me. Um, So you're right. They, they, they sent me one of those nice rejection letters, which I have right here. Oh, let's, let's read it. I, I keep waiting for them to ask me to do a talk so that then I can send them back their rejection letter. Brilliant. No, no uh, I, I don't have it. <laughs> I'm not that bitter. Can you remember the feeling, what, what the feeling that you had when you received that letter? I, I, I was super disappointed because I'm someone who goes like all in for something and I felt like I had put a lot of work into it. I mean, looking back now, it was filled with anime stuff and so... I can see why they didn't respond very well to it, but it definitely was disheartening. And I, I think had things not gone a certain way, it could have easily dissuaded me from going into animation. But at the same time, my friend had uh, got a scholarship to the Art Institute of Phoenix. And he, he was like, hey, just come with me then. Just, you know, it's not CalArts, but it's, it's an art school. So, so I, then I kind of just tagged along with him. I mean, it definitely wasn't a positive experience. What was funny is years later when I was working at Pixar, I met a guy who uh, went to CalArts and he applied the same year. He actually got accepted. It was kind of ironic because he was unemployed looking for a job with a really hefty loan from CalArts and, and I was working. So the redemption was there later on where I was like, oh, okay. The Pixar thing, you say that so casually, like later on I was working at Pixar. How does one get into Pixar? Dude, that's the question, right? Like That's a strike question because that's everybody's question, isn't it really? It's changed a little bit, but particularly like a decade ago or so, like no one got into Pixar. You didn't even see like Pixar demo reels. Like Pixar was the this like black hole of like how? how? So I remember never even applying there, right? My, my goal at that time was to try to get into Blue Sky or maybe, you know, maybe DreamWorks because, you know, this was Kung Fu Panda kind of time when I was going around. And so I was working at Sony, I think on Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. One of my friends who had worked at Sony, I had heard just got hired at Pixar. And I was like, wait, what? You know, mentally I was comparing myself with her and I was like, I think I'm comparable. I mean, she's awesome and she's maybe better than me, but I still feel like, oh, okay. So... Weirdly, that just kind of opened up my brain and I was like, oh, well, I guess I better just apply. So literally, I just went online. You know those things where they say, you know, apply online and you think no one's ever going to read it. <laughs> yeah. like, this is this is not going anywhere. And at least at Pixar, I can, I can promise you that somebody sees it because it was like six months later, I, I got a random call from them. So in the industry, he was working at like Sony and, and places before that. And we'll come back to the Disney thing. What was your first kind of break into just the animation industry in general? I feel like it's pretty safe to say that I really climbed the ladder. Like I, I didn't really ever get lucky. So like I, I went to three schools. So I went to a technical school for two years. I went to the Art Institute of Phoenix for four years. Then I went to Animation Mentor for the three years or, or whatever it is. So at the end of the Art Institute of Phoenix, I, I still wanted to be a 2D animator. And this was right around the time 2D animation industry was kind of dying and collapsing on itself. And the, the, there was a film, the last kind of 2D film, which was Curious George. Uh, Disney had already kind of shut their 2D gates at this point. And there was a small studio right next to our school, Art Institute of Phoenix, called Fat Cat Studios, and they were working on Curious George. So uh, he had come and done a talk, and so I spoke with him about being an internship. And then after I graduated, 
I went to that studio. It's a fun story. Do you want me to go into it? I love a fun story, Shad. Go for it. <laughs> it's good for people trying to get into the industry. So I, I had spoken with this guy before I graduated, and he said, yeah, you know, when you graduate, come over to the studio and we'll talk. And in my weird student brain, I took that as like, oh, I've got a job. So I remember just going over to his studio right after I graduated and I show up and I'm like, here I am ready for a job. And I remember him he just kind of like laughed. He's like, okay, well, he's like, why don't you go around the studio and see if any of the department needs help and then, and then we'll talk. And I was like, okay, cool. Should we talk about money? He's like, <laughs> and he just, he just laughed. He's like, well, why don't you see if anyone needs any work? And so I was like, okay. So I, I, you know, I march over to the keyframe department. I'm like, Hey, uh, do you guys have any work? And they're like, you know, these are like seasoned Disney vets at this point. And they just kind of like, who are you kid? Um, the that, that was the overall sense I remember. Like, and they didn't have any work for me. So then I went to the in-between department and they were same thing. They were like, uh, who like, Oh, get out of here. And so I kept going from department to department. And until I got to the VFX department, they were really slammed. They were actually behind. And I, I think the guy took pity on me and could see at this point how like desperate I was. So he basically just, he gave me one drawing. He's like, why don't you try this one in between and, and we'll see how it goes. So I spent uh, the whole day doing this in between because for effects at that studio, it had to be like a cleanup line. And I had never done that. So literally it was like eight hours of me doing this one drawing. I remember turning it into a and he, you know, did notes and then it you know, back and forth. So I just basically from there went in day after day and just kept doing stuff until about, it was probably three months later where he came up to me. He's like, Hey, maybe this isn't my place, but are, are you getting paid? And and I, I was like, no, man, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, cause you're actually doing a lot of work now. You should probably be getting paid. And I was like, I, I should be. And so from there he went over to the boss and then was like, Hey, Chad's actually doing a lot of work. We should, we ought to, put them on the payroll and then they put me on the payroll so is that your advice for anybody wanting to get into the industry to turn up and just start doing stuff i actually do tell my students like my theory is we've just got to keep doing it until someone pays us and that's kind of what i'm doing with directing now is like I, i'm just going to keep directing until someone uh says oh this is awesome here here you go because i don't know any other way to do it i don't think sitting around waiting for people to pay us before we do the work works very often so it's definitely a, a good way to sort of look at it like you know don't wait around and if you want to do something put yourself out there and and get involved it, right yeah i mean that kind of leads us which is on to run totally run like di directing things obviously but being at pixar how did run totally run the project in general start off where did that all begin back uh when i was at the art institute of phoenix we had a saying many of the animators that uh, every animator is just a frustrated director um, and I definitely fit this bill I always wanted to direct that was my main goal but you know how do you become a director and the only way I know that I saw other people was they became like an animator first right how run Toti run came about was I was already at Pixar and I met a girl like every great start story starts with we were getting married and she she got uh, accepted to a school in Chicago it, it was a big deal for her and so uh, she wanted to take it and we had the awful choice of like, okay, we're getting married. Do we, we want, you know, for the first three years of our marriage, do we want to be apart or, or what are we going to do? So I decided to uh, leave Pixar, which was a heartbreaking decision because Pixar honestly is an amazing place. It's one of the few, if only places where they actually care about you as the artist. 
And so I was like, after that, like, where do you go from Pixar as an animator personally? Like for me, I felt like if I had animated anywhere else, I, I would kind of be going backwards. Like, okay, maybe I could be a lead or a suit somewhere. But so I, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to, maybe I'll use this kind of time to start directing. And then it was like, okay, what story am I going to tell? And, uh, this is where, you know, maybe it takes a little bit of a darker turn. And about this time, I uh, I, I lost my, my my dog. It was heartbreaking. I won't go into it. You know, I, I was with an ex. It was me and my ex's dog. And so I wasn't around when, when uh, he passed away. So that was on my mind a lot. And throughout my life, like anytime something's on my mind a lot, usually what I do is I kind of draw through it or animate through it. So I, I tend to do a lot of 2D animation. That's kind of, I guess, how I process this is I was like, okay, well, I know that this is on my mind. I'm, I'm going to do a short about a, a dog. Um, and I didn't really know what I, I wanted to do. And so my last film at Pixar was Coco uh, at that time. So then I requested all the dog shots, dog pay shots, because I, I, I was trying to prep and be like, okay. I was asking around and someone told me about Artella at the time. And so I was like, okay, I'll try that. And Artella was supposed to be this place where you could just go pitch a project and artists would submit. And I was like, okay. And so I literally... I maybe spent five minutes and was like, Hey, I'm doing this short. And literally like a week later, this amazing artist was like, Hey, I want to join your short. Her name was uh, Aki Yoon. And I was like, okay, awesome. And then she, it was literally one email of like, Hey, uh, I, I want to do this short about a boy and a dog. Can you do some drawings? And a week later she did these amazing drawings. And honestly that without that, I don't know if it would have been real. Like it, it, it was that, you know, that one person doing those drawings. And I was like, oh, oh my God, this is real. Okay, we're going we're gonna to do this. Is that where one person joined and then uh, another person joined and then end up being 300 people? Is that, is that what happened? So people just started to join the project and show interest through Artella. Yeah, so how, how did it get to 300? And I, how I... the hell do you manage that many people? Do you, do you put multiple hats on, like the director the produce like you know organizing teams i mean that's uh that's a big number yeah i mean th th there's a lot of answers to that question so i'll try to go into this i mean i, I think the assumption is is that like oh i, I just got all my because i had worked in the industry and i worked at these places that i just got all my friends to help me out because that's what i would assume if i heard it like oh he knows a lot of people but i don't know if i just have <laughs> terrible friends or, or what but like <laughs> But honestly, very few of my friends worked on it. it. Just because, honestly, most of the people I know are like like senior animators. That they have families. That they've already kind of accomplished their goals. So they don't want to work on it short. So finding the right people at the right time is is critical for a project like this. And it's one of the hardest things, right? Because, And so, honestly, the way I found most of the people was just literally cold calling. I would go to, like, say animation mentor showcase reel or I, I would just look for animation demo reels and i would literally probably once a day i would send about 10 e emails just hey my name's blah 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 uh would you be interested it, it's a lot of grueling hard work just to just to find people to be honest I, I wish there was a better way do you put together like sketches and ideas or is it just a kind of a brief what what kind of thing did you put on there for people to be attracted to yeah. we never had a great pitch to be honest i'm a pretty messy person in my life i don't mean like messy in terms of just living i, I mean i am kind of messy in terms of living but just in my my art style the, the way i go about is things are i wish they were like clean and crisp and nice but that's just kind of not how i am i, I was very open about the story from the get-go so and we approached it very much kind of like the pixar style where 
story was kind of first. So before we did any kind of production work, we, we had done an animatic. And the first animatic was me just literally with note cards being like, and this is what happens. And this is what happens. And I recorded myself and I sent it to about 20 people and got notes back. And then we did a second pass. Like six months later, I brought on four artists. We actually did a full-fledged animatic. Then we showed it to like 50 people. And then we got notes back from those people. We, you know, addressed those notes and then showed it a third time. I showed it to about 100 people that time and then got notes back and then did it. And so then when anyone ever joined the project, I, we, I basically just said, hey, this is me. This is my history. And here's the story I want to tell. Uh, it's a really personal story. So they knew what they were joining right away. So I think having that animatic actually helped because they could see like, oh, okay, I either like this or I don't like this. How do you start to kind of set up the pipeline for something like that? Was that something new to you going into that world, directing and pipeline and things? I think pipeline is new to me right now, actually, because I, I was really lucky. I, I don't know how much you know about Artella, but Artella actually had kind of a, a set up pipeline. So not only could you, it was a place for you to gather artists, but it was also like all, all your assets, all your production files lived there. And they, they oh, kind of done really? all the pipeline stuff. So I brought on a pipeline person, but they didn't actually have to do anything because Artella was already uh, done. So on, on my next project, that's literally what I'm doing with now learning all that stuff or trying to, is because Artella uh, was, was sold off and is no longer available. So now we have to kind of uh, start all this from scratch. So, so with Run, Run Totally Run, the style of it, the the 3D, the 2D, the painterly effect. We'll go back a little bit, you know, starting in the 2D world. Where did you then transition and, and dip your toe into the 3D world? So right after Curious George, that studio tried to hang on, but they, they couldn't because there was just no more 2D stuff. So I, I left there and I remember the guy, you know, he was like, just promise me that you'll keep drawing. And, and I was like, yeah, I promise. And then I don't think I, I barely drew for the next 10 years. Um, because uh, there was a local studio, a local game studio. They were called Cheyenne Mountain. And I, I still had some 3D animation at that point from my, you know, my Art Institute of Phoenix. So I applied in. I was lucky and I got in. They were a small startup studio. And so then I worked on a, a game for three years called Stargate Worlds. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. It'd be weird because it never came out. So I worked on a game for three years, did a cycle per day, and it never came out. Is that a question where people go, oh, that game, I love it. And you go, well, you never... <laughs> I, I have had a few students go like, I, I think I have played that. And I, I kind of just <laughs> chuckled to myself. Um, I'm like, no, I've not. So many animations that no one ever saw. Um, so I kind of hate doing cycles to this day just because they just feel so mathematical so often. So uh, I, I would say that was kind of my transition. The one good thing about that studio was that they uh, paid for higher education and there was a, a new uh, school coming out that was like the new hot stuff. It was Animation Mentor. So it, it was like the first online school. And it was a big deal because the mentors were actually working professionals, which back then I felt like rarely happened. You, you got a few retired maybe artists, but uh, so while I was at the game studio at night, then I, I would be animating for animation mentor. And then when I graduated, I went to Comic-Con. I, I was just walking around and we walked through this booth and they were like, Hey, give us your demo reel. Give us your demo reel. I looked at the studio and, and I was like, I've never heard of you. And I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. And my friend was like, my friend was like, come on, man. And she's like, we'll give you a free t-shirt. We'll give you a free t-shirt. And I was like, no, thank you. Because at the time, uh, demo reels like they were tough because you had to put them on vhs so like it was way more precious because like it was a lot of work to do a, a demo rail so it wasn't just like a link so i i really i was like no no and my friend's like dude don't be a 
shirt. Just it's, it's a free, it's it's a free shirt. And so I was like, fine. And I gave her my demo rail, and she gave me this huge oversized T-shirt. You know that, and, and I remember literally walking like a, you know, just a few steps and throwing it in the trash. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then six months later, I, I get a call and saying, "Hey, uh, this is blah 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 from Rhythm and Hughes. We had, uh, is it Shad? We, we'd like you to work on um, Night at the Museum." I was like, "What?" Like, uh, and because I, I think it was a sequel, so I was like, "I know this is Ben Still. Like, this is a. Do you want me to animate rocks? I think I even asked that because I was like, I was like, I can't <laughs> animate. Like, they're like, no, no, you're gonna be a character animator. So that was kind of my, uh, I guess, my first step into, you know. Uh, feature 3D. What software was that that you were using on that? So they had their own. It was called Voodoo. Now, it's too bad that because I think that's I don't know if that studio exists anymore, but it was a really great software. I really loved it. They had a lot of great stuff that even that I wish Presto had, which is the the the, the Pixar software. So, what was it like writing a story that is so kind of personal? Was that kind of easy or quite difficult? I'm glad that I made it so personal because, and I, I encourage anyone who wants to make a short especially if it's like one of their first ones, you better make it personal because the process is just so hard that most projects stop as you probably know about halfway through or, or some, this brilliant idea that, that you have in your head that you think is, you know, transformational that it, that you just absolutely love about, you know, a few years from now, when you're in the middle of it, you're going to think it's the stupidest idea ever. How did you ever think it's good? And also a new idea is going to pop into your head that you're going to be like, that new idea is awesome. I should be doing that. And it's going to be so easy for you to just kind of ditch what you have and, and go on to this new idea. Unless, and I think one of the, the biggest things that you can kind of use against that is is making it really personal because th th you're not going to ditch something that's super personal. So like, I was always like, I, I have to do this. Like this is, you know, for, you know, for Toti, if I just abandon this, then I feel like I would be abandoning him. So it's obviously an emotional story because it's so personal, but is it something that you kind of, you're taught to just focus on that emotion anyway, coming from the Pixar background? I think most people's first story tends to be super personal. Uh, and it almost, I, I think one of the faults that it can be, and, and maybe I fell into this, but it, it can often just be like a therapy just for themselves versus not necessarily a good story. I feel like everyone just kind of needs to re like get that first story out so that they can move on. And I, I feel like we tend also when, when we're younger to lean towards kind of darker themes and sadder Themes. I knew at the beginning I didn't want it to be super sad. I wanted humor, and I tried so hard, but it was, I wasn't as successful as I, I wanted. I remember at one point someone was like, "Dude, your your character's like crying like four times. You got to cut out some of these cries." Oh. <laughs> I think it would be a lie to say that I didn't want to pull on people's heartstrings, but I also didn't want people to just be like, like, ah, uh, like, uh, and that's the only takeaway from it. I, I was hoping that there would be some joy mixed in with, with hearts. And usually humor is the really good way. What what I'm finding and what I found is that if you can get people to laugh, it's much easier to make them cry. I think a good story has a little bit of all, and I would definitely say that that's uh, that, that comes from Pixar, uh, a good balance. What was that like? Was you working remotely? How did that kind of look with working with people that you kind of don't really know? We went through a lot of different platforms, you know, all these like production, like Trello, Slack, Discord, uh, I found that actually email works the best because oftentimes when you have these third party things, what happens is the artist will start and then they'll check it maybe weekly or daily, but then after a month, they'll just forget about it and they'll basically ghost the project. I often just uh, would contact through email, to be honest. And most of my critiques 
what would be like video things like this. So I would just turn on OBS and I would hit record and be like, Hey, I'm looking at your work. This is awesome. Great. Cool. Looks good. My day would wake up in the morning. I would usually have about a dozen emails. Um, and I would just wake up and spend two hours just, uh, sending out these video recordings to, uh, each person. I, I am proud to say that I, I actually didn't do nearly as much on the short. Like I only animated one shot, even though I'm an animator, only animated one shot in the whole thing. And that was by choice. It was the very first Tolpe shot. Very simple, but. And what, what's it like directing, like, you know, working as a, as an animator? What was it like for the first few weeks of like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of doing it. I'm directing here. What was that like? Yeah, like... <laughs> um, it's it, what you wanted to do, I imagine, because that, that thing of like, you know, where do I go from Pixar? Every department is very, very different. I don't want to come off as biased, but I think animation is a pretty special department with the people, particularly from working in it and now having directed. Animators tend to kind of more often go above and beyond but like they'll I, I could often ask them like hey can you do this thing that is maybe a little outside their wheelhouse and oftentimes they would be yes but then some of the other departments would be a lot more kind of locked into like no the computer doesn't do that or that's not what i do so that was probably the biggest transition for me going from animator to directors working with other departments and being like oh man okay i've got to like i've got to adjust the way i approach here i, I can't just be like hey you know throw everything at them did you personally have the character designs yourself? No, I, I uh, Aki Yoon, she came on, uh, she was on probably the longest out of anyone. Probably it was a five year production. She was on maybe the first three years and she brought it to life. She, she, she did. Yeah. So she did the designs. Um, she boarded, I would say the majority of the film as well. A lot of this film is, you know, through her eyes. So. Uh, I owe a lot to her. Was that the, the, the actual visual style as well from Oki as well? The, the, you know, that painterly? No, I'll, I'll give that to uh, a guy named Santiago. So uh, he has a, a render engine that used to be called MNPRX. It's now called Flare. I encourage artists to take a look at it because it's pretty awesome. It's just a, a really simple way uh, for artists like us to try to replicate some of the things that the bigger studios are now doing like into the spider-verse and stuff like that what was cool is we didn't really have any rendering literally everything that you see was in my viewport oh really i can literally take the scenes that you guys are seeing and i can rotate the camera around and, and it'll live within it so that's what was kind of cool and really saved us because it would have been really challenging if we had to go through render you know and then do redo so it was really quick to just be like oh yeah so that that was all MNPRX or Flare. Was there any technical challenges that were really difficult on this project? I, I mean, the style, literally, he was kind of developing it with us. So we definitely ran into a lot of things. I would say lighting was definitely something I probably felt at a little bit as a director. I tried to bring on a lot of lighting artists, but they would have to learn this new software. And it was like a work in progress. So oftentimes they would do a little bit and they would try to get to a certain place, but then they, there would be a new update and then they'd have to redo it again. And since it's all volunteers, anytime you ask a volunteer to redo work, you know that they're going <laughs> to... You kind of go, you don't have to, but if you it don't mind, could you, you know, I mean, I, you don't have to do it, but it would be really great if you could tweak this for the 10th time. Exactly. And usually they're they're gone about a month later uh, once you do that. <laughs> Yeah, that that part was really probably one of the, the biggest challenges was getting that and, and just learning it myself. Because uh, I like as I was getting into style, it was the style was to replicate kind of like a watercolor esque feel, and I I didn't know what made watercolor esque. I, like I didn't know what worked, what didn't work. The first scene we did, we tried to like 
I did it like we normally would. Like we did the set and we kind of did it with a lot of detail and then we put it through the, you know, the render engine and it, it wasn't looking very good. And we realized that it was because it was, there was all this detail and you don't have a lot of detail often with watercolor. So it kind of worked in our benefit that we, that, that then we started like pulling back on that detail, which saved us a lot of time and it started working much better. The five years that it took, was that kind of like, I want to get it done in five years or was that just, you'll get done when it gets done. And did you set any like deadlines and milestones along the way? I started at Pixar and I brought on a, a production guy. He lasted maybe about a year. One of the very first things is that he set up a schedule. And here's what I suggest. We'll uh, schedule it for four years, but we'll, uh, we'll expect it to go five years. And then literally the day that it was finished, I went back to that email and it was five days from the day that he sent that no. email. So it was, yeah, it was five years and five days. So pretty dang close. What's it like on the day of finish? Like, did it ever feel finished? What was the kind of icing on the cake? Yeah, no, I it, I never had that. I, I've heard from directors at Pixar when they when they do shorts, they, they often feel it's finished after music is done and sound. That's usually when they go, they always say that they go back to their car and they're like, and, and they feel like it because that's like the last step. For me, it didn't ever really feel finished because it was a festival process. And then even after it was done, we were still doing promo shots. So it kind of just felt like it continued on. Only now am I starting to kind of be like, wait a second, I think I can delete Maya 2018. I don't need that anymore. Because now it's like 2000 and Maya 2023, I guess. Right, because we be. had locked on 18. So the, the, and it, but yeah, so now I'm like, okay, I, think I can I really think I can I haven't yet I, <laughs> so just in we, case yeah I guess we can go back I mean animation wise the idea of sort of connecting Toti and the the, the the main character with that kind of I'm not, not calling it a string what's the the kind of oh, thing yeah. that connects them two together I love that everyone's trying to come up with umbilical cord I, I've read I, I like that uh, what, what do you call it <laughs> we, we call it the entanglement because like okay. scientifically, there's that theory, right, that you can, no matter how far apart two things are, like you can turn a penny and, and the other penny will turn kind of, I'm not a scientist, but that's where that originally came from. I read, was it the Ender's Game series? I think they have something like that. I forget what they call it, but there's, you know, characters that, you know, go off to a different planet and he, he has a sister and basically they can communicate through this like connection that they have. So I think that's kind of was the origin of, of that. And I always loved that feeling. And was that in at the start or was it kind of like, how can we connect them to and then break that connection later on when we see, obviously, um, they, they sort of disconnect? That was probably the original story idea that, that I may have had. Um, when I told you that I pitched it like this, that, that was the one kind of takeaway from that, that review session. Because I was worried that everyone was going to be like, huh, I don't know about this, but we actually got positive notes like I, I like that thing it's a strong visual moment though where it where it does sort of snap because i guess that really yeah. visually shows like that connection is gone to see break for me was like that's uh ouch like was it clear that that the thing that connected them that then broke it fell down and then what lights up at the end is the entanglement lighting back up do you connect those? Yeah, it's a part parts of it, especially with the colors and the, and the, the the design of the thing. It almost felt like those bits that were coming out of the water were those kind of segments. If you were to zoom straight into the entanglement, you right. would, would be made up of these kind of things. Oh, awesome! That 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 makes me feel good because that was the one thing I'm like, I don't know if I if people are connecting that idea, but yeah, that was the 
the idea was that they're still connected, but it's just in a, in a very different way, not quite as obvious and linear. Did you have any sort of second thoughts when you were creating that, that scene of like, is this working and what other kind of things were you looking to kind of represent that reconnection? In general, just the entanglement, I, I was really worried because to have this this magical thing that's always in the scene, it sounds like a terrible idea. Like it sounds like everyone's just going to look at this this magical thing in the screen and not ever pay attention to your characters. My wife, I don't think ever was sold on the idea until just recently. She's like, you know, I was not sold on that idea, but I think you pulled it off. I wanted it to be present, but I didn't want, I wanted people to forget about it. So I, I wanted at the beginning to make it very obvious, like here it is, but then hopefully just kind of like it, it was in the background and it was part of their relationship. So I, I think that was something that I struggled with a lot of like, how, how can we get that? The very beginning sequence was meant to be like a memory. It's literally like we're in the entanglement scene memories and then we... Yeah. That's, that's it. I was saying like you, you see those kind of like segments uh, of it that you kind of dip in and out of and sort of sort of paint that picture at the start. What about those like slow motion moments? That comes from anime. That comes just yeah. from that, that timing shift. I can tell I, that. I thought so. I love uh, timing shifts. I, I, I probably overuse them. Well, Dragon Ball Z, clearly like that, yeah. that had, does it incredibly. You know, you can definitely see that. What about like video game? Because there's you know you know that big run se sequence at the start. You know the the camera like the, it's so energetic. The performance it's so 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 fun to watch. I felt like there's moments with the camera where it goes to kind of like video game platform moments where it's kind of like almost like a, a game of you could play on a, a mobile yeah. device. You know, like and then he goes back into the dynamic movements and stuff. Was that intentional to to sort of inspired by games? No, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I tend to uh, like low cameras from profile just because of, of an animator. It tends to be the, the clearest thing. So I, I, I do, when you say that, I think I know the exact shot, shot you're talking about. And I, I got notes uh, from my anim soups being like, hey, that's a weird camera move. Are you like, you can adjust that. I was like, and I was like, I like it. I, I like it. I, I thought it was really fun. One of my favorite things in animation are those big scenes where characters are just like running through a set. So like Trigger Studios is one of probably my favorite studios now, uh, like Little Witch Academia, stuff like that. Like I held off for so long because I wanted to animate that first shot where they're running. And originally it was all just one camera, but then when one of the animators got it, he, he wanted to cut some things up. So it turned into, there was some camera cuts, but that I held on to for myself because I just wanted to animate that scene. And it was also meant to kind of help clarify like all oh, the entanglement, the characters can go wherever they want and it'll stick, it'll stick with them. So you mentioned like you only animated one shot on this. What's it like receiving things and thinking, oh, if I could just open up that Maya file, I can, I can just tweak it myself. Was it ever tempting to just jump in and just do a bit while they're not on the, on the shot? <sighs> I, I did it very much and it was a good thing I didn't open the Maya files because a few times I did, boy, it, it like as soon as you open up a Maya file, you're like, oh my God, this is, this is way yeah. worse. Like this is way worse than I thought. And then you ch change one thing and then it changes the next and it changes the whole scene. And I, I, I just didn't have time to do that. I definitely did on promo, which is where I noticed like some of the shots where I was like, ooh, okay. There were some cases where like when we started doing effects on top of stuff, that's when it was like, oh man, I, I probably should have had somebody check these scenes before we completely finaled them. That's something we'll be doing on the next show is actually hopefully having the leads at least just going in and looking and being like, okay, this is pretty broken. I always find that 
sometimes, you know, working with so many different people, people have so many different ways of doing things and the setups are always different and it's always painful when you go into someone else's scene. It's like, how the heck have they done this? Like this, I wouldn't do it like this, but you can never expect to everybody to do it the way that you would do it. So you kind of have to just let go and, and appreciate that they're doing their thing. Was it a thing of, for the technical side of things, like will it work when we go back into these scenes? Half the show or more than half is the characters in the water, right? So we had a lot of effects. Um, so with water, if the, if the foot moves just jarringly, then all of a sudden the water scene goes like that. So I guess for that, we had to be really careful that the characters didn't just right after the scene ends go, or like right oh, at the yeah. For the simulations, it will kind of be part of the cash. Yeah, exactly. So I think some of this stuff would have been a little bit stronger if we had leads go in and just look at it and be like, oh, this is why we're getting a weird little bump here, or this is why, you know, it's not feeling as strong as it could just because you're cheating too much. The cheating side of things, people have all sorts of different wild and wonderful tricks and tips to kind of cheat stuff. Especially when they're volunteering and their time is like very limited. I, I think they do like the very bare minimum, most artists, um, just to try to get it past you. And, and then what's tough is on your side, because they're volunteering, you're trying so hard to be like, oh, okay, this is good. Yeah, just okay. Just what, please just finish the shot, do whatever. What will you take into the next project that you learned from this? The cameras didn't get a lot of love. Like literally we did layout and we were so rushed, like we did layout and then we just threw it straight into Adam and the cameras never got any love besides what was in layout or whatever the animator right. might have got. And some animators will go into cameras and some just won't touch them at all, right? And so that's one of the, the things that I probably should have done better. I should have brought on a camera person whose job was to like go in and do camera polish on top and make sure everything's there. Would that be like a previous stage where, where you sort of sort of seen that language of, of character blocking with ca cameras early on? I'm hoping to have a stage after Anim Finals where someone, uh, the lead or a camera person goes in and looks at the camera and then also just have a, a, a camera language. I didn't even have a camera language. I think we were halfway through where I was like, are we going to like do shaky cam? Like, because we were still learning the style. And at first it was really locked, but then we realized that if we, because of our texture, if we move the camera, it actually worked better so then luckily we added that in comp yeah so camera is definitely something one of the things I, I learned was just people finding the right person at the right time if you can find that person oh man and, and usually the right person is is someone who hasn't quite made it they've gone through school they've even maybe they're working at a small smaller studio but they want to work at disney they want to work at pixar but they for whatever reason they just can't get there and they're just really motivated if, if you can grab those people i feel like Oh man, uh, they'll, they'll take your project to the next level. People think like now, oh man, he has a team of 300 artists, but, but that doesn't, it doesn't work like that at all because I think all of my animation leads, um, we, we had four of them and I don't think any of them were working at a big studio, but now all of them are working at big studios. So I, I literally just sent out an email. Hey guys, do you want to work on the next one? I'm pretty sure that. All of them will be like, sorry, dude. I, 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 oh. uh, it, as much as they enjoyed working on I think one of them said that he would if if DreamWorks would allow it. But I, I, it's just they're in different states of their life, which I totally understand. Totally, yeah. You know, moving, moving into this next project, is that another kind of on the side thing? Uh, or is it a bit more of a, is it funded? Or is it another one of these, again, but bigger? 
It's called Growing Up with Grandpa. It's about a little uh, blind girl who's going on a journey to find a cure for her dying grandfather. I think it's a, a really great story. At the moment, it, it is unfunded. It's starting just like Kulti was, but the goal for this one is to actually make money. Kulti, the, the goal was never to make money. It was just to kind of do the story. Um, this one, we're hoping to either get a studio behind us or or get it funded. We, we just had our first story screening, so we literally it's an hour and 57 minutes. We have our first animatic. We're going to do the same thing like we did before where we you know, do an, another. We got notes. Now we're going to... Uh, do it again and again, and we'll show more and more people, and then we'll start production. Yeah, uh, you want to work on it? Yeah, sign me <laughs> up. Let's go. So it, it's it's unfunded, but the goal is to try to, whether we get a big studio to pick it up, and, and we do that, or we get maybe little studios on their downtime to help us out, or, or we get investment through government funding, or or uh, you know uh, some other source. Uh, but but we're moving forward as if. Kind of my my theories. We we just keep creating until until someone decides to uh, decides that they like us and they pay us. Clearly, um, you're enjoying doing this uh, enough to kind of step into the next project. And not only just another project, it's bigger. Would you ever look at pitching and saying to, to Disney and say, "Can I direct something like a short there and then step back into that world?" Or is this a new, completely new path that you're enjoying at the moment? Yeah. I thought about that i i currently i work remotely for pixar right now actually and I'll, I'll definitely reach out to them and see that the issue with some of those things is that the line to get there is just so long so right because they have so many people so that that can often be a thing so even if it were to happen it might be five years or, or so on and then you'll do a short and then actually most of the people that do shorts for disney and pixar i don't think they end up actually doing features they tend to leave the studio especially disney right how, how many uh, Disney uh, directing shorts, I, I think almost all of them leave and they go to like Netflix or other places. I'm not someone who wants to direct Alvin and the Chipmunks 15 or Hotel Transylvania 15, right? Like, Sure. So I, I think there's two different paths for directors. You can, you can kind of direct what's taken to you and you're happy because you're directing or I kind of want to do, I'm not comparing myself to Miyazaki, but I want to do that route where you do your own films where you, you tell your own stories. And I, I have no idea how you do that. Do, do you know how, how you get someone to pay you to do that? That is, no, I don't actually, Shad. But I guess like you said at the very start, like you, you're clearly not just sitting around waiting to get something, you know, you, you're just doing it and thinking, oh, this is all I know. If I want to tell a story, I just want to take a step forward and then clearly kind of rolls. And then before you know it, Five years later, you've got another, you got a feature film that is quite exciting. I imagine. Nah, that's the whole. Uh, hopefully, it's five years from now. But it, it took five years for a short, so <laughs> let's hope it's not like fifteen years. Uh, <laughs> you're emailing me. Yeah, uh, fifteen years from now, there'll be a VFX process season twenty-five, twenty. <laughs> but it'll be worth the wait, Chad. That's the thing. And we'll both be like this. Yeah, with the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but the good thing is by then we'll probably be in like 16k res which will be oh there you go yeah pretty cool or well the terrible for because our skin oh yeah the skin would look old the details <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe let's just finish it in two shad please okay so i'll finish it in two <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll change the schedule you know one thing i would love to do better is production i i, I never worked out for Toti. 
if there's any uh, production producer people out there that want to work on my next film, that would be amazing. So we, we read somewhere that you were named by a drunk guy at a bar. Yeah. The story is obviously I wasn't there, that my parents were at a bar. They, they uh, My parents probably wouldn't like the story now, but they were, uh, you know, partiers at the time. And uh, my, my mom was pregnant with me and she, uh, she swears to me she wasn't drinking, but <laughs> I'm like, maybe that's why. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so she was asking around the bar, like, hey, what should we name our our, our son to be? And uh, the story goes that they, a drunk guy next to them was like, name it Chad. And he, he tried to say Chad, but he slurred his word and said Chad. Um, and they were like, <laughs> Chad, oh, I like that. Okay. So I'm not named after the, the moon or the stars or uh, some awesome person I'm named after. A mispronounced <laughs> other name. <laughs> yeah. We like to talk a little bit about you know, that work-life balance, this is a great example of working for Pixar and also working on kind of personal projects at the same time. How do you kind of juggle two big things like that and life and everything else? That's a tough question. You definitely have to prioritize things. So for the, like during Toti and, and for the most part, even though I'm working at Pixar, it's it's just for one show. You have to prioritize what's important. So obviously, my my wife and family are, are are the most important. And then doing this short. So what that entailed for us for a long time was that we've been living really poor, just so that we, we can both do our thing. She, you know, she can act it, and I can, uh, and I can do these things. So we we've obviously not prioritized money. We we could be living in a better place and nicer situations, but. We, we chose to kind of put that down. So I, I think that's the, the best thing I can say. I, I think so often we feel like we have to have like uh, certain things, like we have to have a nice place. We have to have this, we have to have that. And then all those things that we have to have tend to stop us from doing the things that we, we actually want, right? What do you do to kind of like keep fresh mentally as well? I'm not a great person to say, get up away from your desk because I tend to need someone to be like my wife, be like, hey, come on, get up and move around. Uh, <laughs> I, I tend to kind of like have a drink. Uh, that, that that tends to be uh, something I do. Uh, walking the, the dogs are, are really great because they have, so it's like a requirement, like they're whining. Um, so usually that, that's a good way to tell me I, I've been sitting down too long, trying to stand up like I'm doing now versus sitting down. So I, I don't, you know, I already have terrible posture, but I was going to say advice getting into the industry and how do you get into Pixar, but you seem to just apply on the internet, the website. That seems crazy to do, but it clearly it clearly works. Yeah, I, I think the best advice I can give is definitely uh, apply and then forget about it. Actors have a thing where they, they'll like, they take the script, that they learn it, they have their audition, and then literally that they... They throw it in the trash afterwards as like a symbolic, like not in front of the people, but, and, and I encourage uh, all my students and everyone to do the same thing. We, we've got to forget about it. So I'll apply and then don't sit there like, like all of us have probably done like, oh my God, it, you know, they still haven't called. It's been like a month too. I obviously didn't get that, man. I'm like, I, I found that all these places that I thought I, I didn't get the job, like months, months later, they call me. I, I found in my life that usually maybe this is bad, but. I often get the things that I want or ask for, but it's almost never on the timeline that I want. So usually, and oftentimes I don't want it by the time I, 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 I'm <laughs> I used to want it. Now I don't want it. Exactly. But now I've got it. <laughs> so, so timing, uh, is, isn't something we can really control, but yeah, just apply and forget about it and then just keep doing what you love.
Oh, that's great piece of advice, Chad. Thank you very much, man. Spoke about everything that we wanted to touch on, um, Chad. Favorite. And I just want to say that was incredible. Honestly, I really appreciate your time. But yeah, honestly, we, we, we do wish you all the best with the next project that you're obviously working on at the moment. Awesome, man. Yes, thank you. And you know what? I mean, if there's anything we can do to help out as a small studio, you know, I don't know on what capacity, but um, we you're don't, we're not it. like, it, it's all, uh, it's yeah, I'm in now. Yeah. This, this is how it starts now. Yeah, well, we're in. When's the, when's the next meeting? Yeah, again, Shad, thank you very much. And we'll speak to you very soon. Thank you. Awesome. Nice meeting you. Take care, man. Take care. See ya. Thanks for listening. Remember to check out our other episodes available or check out the podcast in video form on YouTube. The link is in the description below. Again, please drop us a rating and review. The VFX process, getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios. See you next time.